0: Alrighty, I guess it's time to open up let's just there you go. That's how you know it's a it's a good podcast because the show opens up with opening up a cane for the microphone. That's the secret. Alright, let me take a sip. Left in the freezer too long. Anyway, let's begin. welcome to a podcast with Jordan Haas. I'm Jordan Haas. This is the podcast all about the world around us, mostly media. Hi. Uh, so this is the start of the show where I get to just ramble for who knows how long before we get to today's articles. Uh, this week in the free version, I'm going to be recapping some animes. Yep. And then later on in the extended cut, if you go to Patreon, we'll be talking about uh, some recaps of some game shows that happened this week as well as Jackbox Party Pack 6, and even a review of Hulu's brand new sitcom, Reboot. But for now, let's just unwind a bit, uh, because this is the part I get to chat with you guys. This is the, hey, how's it going? What's, what's going on in your life? Um, <clears throat> I, I, uh, my dishwasher almost broke. And it seems like every week there's a new problem, but this week was a dishwasher. Uh, so that was a little bit of frustration over the weekend. I was uh, finishing up, like, writing out all of my articles, and then, oh, dishwasher just, just seems to be stuck and won't drain, and you know when you don't drain it, you're thinking, oh god, is it, like, the filter, is this the garbage disposal, what's going on? And nope, I just had to reset it like it's a fucking router or something, uh, so that was quite annoying to say the least um but you know i also uh wanted to uh talk about uh disney bundles uh for real, real quick uh i, I upgrade so phone went water we talked about that last week and i had and the plan i got is a uh, hundred bucks a month and the phone's free i don't have to pay for the phone which is now cheaper than the phone cost plus the plan and it comes with a Disney bundle and the Disney bundle includes Hulu and ESPN and Disney plus. And I am kind of shocked by that. Like, Hey, you know, I had that bundle earlier. It's, I go ad free Hulu. I think ad free is the way to go um, because I fucking hate ads. I mean, I, okay. When I say I hate ads, I think most commercials are okay. However, when you're watching a TV show, it's an interruption, and I wanna get straight into the TV show. I like trailers. Like, give me a movie trailer, I'll watch it. If you have a cool product, you, you give me a little newsreel, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, Help make like commercials on YouTube, I'll probably watch it or tell me about it on social media. Um, but something about TV advertising just is now striking the nerve where I just don't have time for this. And I know that it's easier and more money goes to these companies if they go with an ad-supported system, such as Twitch, such as uh, Peacock, such as CBS Alexis. And I think HBO Max might be trying that soon. But it's so fucking annoying, and if I can watch my game show in 20 minutes, I will go for it. I bought YouTube Premium specifically because I can't stand the fucking ads, and I would rather pay for that instead of just lying about it on an ad blocker, if that makes sense. So, that has been a real fucking gripe. So, ad-free Hulu, thumbs up. Anything ad-free is just great for me also because it makes me feel like i'm watching bbc and bbc is always ad free uh so uh, i put on my list here i talked about the arcade paradise soundtrack so recently uh over the week i mean i talked about arcade paradise a few times here i reviewed it on the extended cut you can check that out later i love arcade paradise i think it's one of the better games to come out this year because it's this great exploration about capitalism and needs and meets for fun versus cash and the juggles we all have the frustrations it could have and what i love about the this uh game isn't so much like the bootleg frogger and the bootleg super hexagon and bootleg pong and all the bootleg like classic arcade games it's uh the soundtrack because the soundtrack is an original soundtrack uh and and unlike other original soundtracks where you you know you you go into it going into like we're using a symphony or we're just gonna do this or that or you're trying to get the rights to songs they full-on created like 20 to i think like 22 songs in the game that are different styles and genres and things that feel like they're from the era of the 90s to early 2000s so you have like like a Beastie Boys type song. You have like a Run DMC song. You have like a girl pop group song. You have, and It's like all of this mishmash of different genres of music played in this one jukebox. That's all original songs. Lyrics make sense about the context about what's going on in game, which is also really clever. And... Uh, eventually, you get to an end where there's like a whole music video for the Arcade Paradise theme tune, and it's a really, really banging tune. It's all punk and grungy. It's really cool, and I kind of love that the fact that they went out of their way to come out with an original soundtrack to this. Originally, I was like, oh, so they just got some like local indie groups to like. No, this is the team. the 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 music like the developers made the songs themselves. This isn't like a SoundCloud. Indie team making on CD baby, and when I went and got the soundtrack and got all the songs, I fell in love with it. This is just mwah, beautiful, great soundtrack. And like over the like the last like couple of days, I, like some of the songs from the arcade game got stuck in my head. Uh, like there is this one that's like a, like a almost like a like a German techno. Hey Mario, do you have a brother named Luigi? Luigi is dead. Like just clevery, kind of funny music. There's like a nerdcore rap song in there. Like there's a lot of variety in the songs, and I enjoy that so much. I bought the soundtrack, even though I bought just the standard core version of Arcade Paradise. The uh, the soundtrack is worth it. It's one of the best soundtracks to come out this year, and and I would say it's one of those clever soundtracks to come out. Now, I would say even picking up, you know, up the soundtrack is worth it as well. Uh, <clears throat> so, speaking of audio, um, Jeopardy uh, news. Uh, there's a whole like audio like twenty four seven radio station from TuneIn now, where you can listen to Jeopardy. Now it, it makes kind of sense because they they it's an auditorial. They read aloud every clue, and then you ring in. The only problem, I just have to point this out here. I love the idea because I can go to sleep listening to Jeopardy. I can, you can theoretically watch Jeopardy every day, like the Alex Trebek uh, "fuck you" video, the with the phone Jeopardy that's been making viral rounds since like the like twenty years ago. Um, <clears throat> but there's odd sometimes visual clues, and I don't think the the people who thought of this idea. Understood that sometimes the audio like doesn't ring in the fact that there is people sometimes or it's like, you know, originally this actor went and won a Tony Award for his role in Rent, like one of those. And you're like, What? what who is that? Who is that? I don't see it. That becomes like a bit of like a confusion at sometimes. Um, that I thought was really funny. But it, it's really good just hearing the sounds of Alex Rebeck back then, even though Pluto TV already has that. Pluto TV already has Alex Rebeck. Um, and Jeopardy also, like, apparently this was national headlines, that they want to do a bonus for sweeping the board. Like, hey, if you clear the category, you get a bonus, but it's not affecting your score. It's like just like a little handout. I like that idea. Um, I think the... You either have to make it like $1,000 win or lose, like if you complete it and you just add it to the end of the show, or you have to make it like a real accomplishment. Like you have to clear the board from 200 to to 1000 and you get like a jackpot. Like you, you make sure like this is like a huge, like every game it's not won, it grows. So it becomes like this worthwhile statement where eventually it gets to the point where you're winning more money than maybe even the one day. If, if it's done correctly because I think that encourages the gameplay. <clears throat> um, next I talk I'll talk about uh, I talk about this in the in the show. Uh, the best of the episodes this week is both of them ABC. Uh, uh, Shark Tank Live is one of the worst things I have seen in quite a while. I'm look, I, I normally don't talk shit about TV shows and game shows that much. That was the worst damn thing I have seen. It is. It was unwatchable. It was that bad, and I understand live television and in the pressures of it, but it was not good. On but on the reverse side, watching uh, the Jackass episode of Family Feud against like against a football game because Thursday night football was one of the best things I saw this week because there's tasers and people getting electrocuted and Steve Harvey getting confused and that was a lot of fun. I'll explain a bit more of that later on, but just so much good good stuff. Um <clears throat> and then finally, I will go into the public sphere for this one. I'm going to talk about some G4. Yeah, you want you want me to talk about some G4, huh? You know, I used to moderate the G4 uh, Discord and, and subred. You know, people think uh, me with G4, even though I've, I've never worked at G4. I have to keep explaining that. I, I, I never worked at G4. There's a thumbnail with one of those reactionary dumb fucks with me in it. And the reason I left was mental care. And yet I'm there. <laughs> mm, no, I was fired, apparently. Uh, so <clears throat> this week, uh, two of the hosts... Have a left, uh, Frosk and Kevin Pereira. Now, uh, before we get to Frosk and Kevin, uh, this has been just a, a really, really sad week. Like I have friends who work at G Four. I will say that I, I, I would like to think of them as friends. Uh, maybe they're just thinking more acquaintances or just mutuals on Twitter, uh, who just somehow say hi back and forth. But it, they're to me, I, I would say friends and they have been in a world of hurt the last couple of weeks. And it's always tough when you see your, like your friends in that weird anxiety pain and you don't know how to really say, get better, we wish you the best, you you do amazing work at G4, we love you. Because so many talented people just lost their jobs over there. And there's really no, no fault on their part and it's really shitty to see like the internet be like, it's because of frost. You know, it's because of frost in that right. Ra- no, it's not. Shut the fuck up. Like, if it was really frost, all of this shit would have been fired like in January, not now when it's almost the one year anniversary. Uh, it, it, it's just because you see so many talented people lose their jobs and you're just saddened because you know that it's like a lot of these people have families. A lot of these people, this was the way they make money, and now suddenly just, uh, eh, Luckily, there is some severance to some of these people, and that's a good thing. But it is really devastating. And I, I I, know, like, everyone's trying to come up with the how to save G4 or whose fault is it at G4 and all this, this horse shitty kind of, like, thinks and, and, like, it's not Froska's fault. It's not even, like, the fault of, like, the content in general. I, I, I will probably go on record and say, the problem with G4 is communication. I will say it time and time again, it's communication. When G4 launched, it's only word of mouth. Who should be hired? Hashtag G4 needs talent. And the G4 needs talent never really got anybody. It never did. It, the people who work there are, one is a social media person and the other was an ex-play writer. And the ex-play writer just got let go. Uh, and it's one of those cases of, they got really ambitious. And I think it's just a miscommunication or a pivot. If I, I, Eventually I'm going to write the postmortem. If G4 ever goes under of how I feel it ended, I will argue the problem is the original envision was esports because this is Comcast Spectacor the sports division and it's going to be an esports channel with esports content but it's called G4 because video game television you associate with video games and it it never got its esports and it never got really rights to esports so it had to pivot on the cheap even though I think they tried to bankroll it on eSports and that's why they had this big ass studio and this big ass budget and big all this money coming in thinking it's eSports when it, it barely covers eSports. And if it does, it's a stream They're not really getting the exclusive rights to like LCS, for instance. So when you don't have like what you're promised a bunch of people it becomes a bit of like a pivot point and then you have like okay we're gonna be g4 so we're just gonna pretend everything is like we're back to g4 x play attack of the show but it's not necessarily x play attack of the show because twitch culture youtube culture and tiktok culture and all these other social media things exist So now you're trying to do something for everybody. You're not making a TV show that's a 44 minute, 22 minute show about video games or pop culture. Now you're making a two to three hour long live show uh, that's called attack of the show that gets edited down and put up on twitter which is a good i, I mean on twitter like on television which is a good which is a good idea in theory because cable subscriptions have gone down you still have your audience it's a it's an ambitious experiment but <clears throat> here's where the problem lies you still don't have a word of mouth that you're back so you have an X-Play, you have an attack of the show, you have an eSports show, you have a Dungeons & Dragons show. You have all these little audiences, and you still can't figure out what the real thing a G4 is. And you have G4 fans from the past wondering, can you bring back icons? Can you bring back Cinematech? Can you bring back this? Can you do this? And you're kind of trying to not linger them by saying, no, licensing fees are too much. We appreciate it, but we can't. But there's still these little shows that show up, and some of the content that's on the YouTube is on the TV, and it becomes this big question mark of what's just the truth in all this. And sometimes, maybe the answer we'll never know. It's a corporate decision. They just said no. Um, so they got really ambitious. Well, we'll get as many hosts as we can. We, well, there's this Twitch streamer, Code Mika. We'll grab them. Oh, they get banned constantly. Well, that's not really good for us. Uh, Oh, well, we got ourselves the esports people, and oh, we're not really doing esports anymore, so we're just not going to pivot them over to Attack of the Show and X-Play. We're just going to just say bye-bye. Or you have uh, people who have won your contracts, and because you... I'm going to argue you, you you basically overwork these people and they have their own personal brains to sort out because you've got content creators and not hosts and content creators have their own YouTube channels and Twitch streams and their own business to take care of that they're getting a bit frustrated and they have to basically juggle between their actual career on the YouTube and this G4 thing that is paying them big bag of money and they don't know which is which and which is more important and for some people i'm just gonna say gerard the completionist they think they can do both and it's commendable and like i love gerard a lot but he's clearly overworked and i feel sorry and i'm like worrying about the guy then you have people like kevin and adam who are there for the nostalgia value but specifically said we're just there to pass the torch and they just move along you get people constantly heckling x play is just adam it's nobody else where's adam but then you have adam show up i hate adam he says shit about republicans and then you're just like yeah who gives a fuck that's adam's like twitter and let's just cause drama and then you see this is where it becomes very very i will say once again it's communication down Frost makes a rant video about grievances in gaming. That's the whole segment on X-Play Live on Twitch. It is, uh, what is your biggest gaming grievance? And written in the teleprompter hour before the show is sexism in gaming. And Frost gives her rant about uh, what is said in the comments section about her versus other people at the company and other places that she's worked at and vents her frustration, and rightfully so because it's true. What happens is that clip is the one that they try and share out. We believe this core statement, once again, rightfully so. What happens is then it gets a hold of the anti-woke, unpolitical correctness, reactionary, social conservative people like Mr. Quarter Guy, uh, the Gamer Geek people, and uh, probably the comics gate weirdo who likes to draw Nazi fan art for some reason. They would get a hold of it and they will start spewing the usual social like Sean Hannity, Ben Shapiro shit that you hear every single week on Fox News. And hey, they have an audience. And you know what? That's kind of the case for these people, because your audience is going to be people who feel like because of what's going on in pop culture, I'm going to feel left out and I need to take back what's mine kind of frustration preached to the angry people everything's too woke now and you're just you're just feeding to these angry white folks because they're mostly gonna be angry white folks and social conservatives and what you're going to see is these people because this is like fox news like the daily mail comment section because you've wilded up these people they're going to start spewing toxic shit over on the discord over on the youtube comments over on the twitter and and get get this person fired. Let's get this uh, this is fucking not G4. I know I'm a big fan and you're just like not really. I never really see you around here. You've never really watched the content before. So I've come to the conclusion that if you don't have a message and get ahead of these assholes those assholes are going to control your fucking narrative and they're going to just try and while up their base and if you search g4 on youtube you're going to get these assholes and not the content that you're trying to dish out which is not really a great look for the company which sucks because i agree with that message but hey you know if the audience of these toxic assholes is more than that what are you going to do and then you get a hold of like the fence-sitting Uh, gamer gator kind of people in the fence sitting kind of dipshit people well both sides have a point here i mean i respect frosk's opinion It's first amendment but also that's not really fair for gamers like one of those uh and it becomes this weird horse shitty culture shall we say so what i found out is essentially, these people don't fucking care. They just want to be screaming at something because they're offended by something 24-7. Essentially, essentially, are you hearing this, camera guy? I know there's not a camera on me. These are the social justice warriors they've been arguing about in their heads for the last seven years. If you really think about it, what are they projecting A social justice warriors is exactly how they feel about life. Uh, so, they get angry and they spew toxic bullshit and you just have to erase them or mute them or delete them. That happened to me on Twitter this weekend. That's kind of why I wanted to set it up. Because uh what happened is a bunch of layoffs and Frost made a really poorly made comment. It was a joke. Uh with Gax doing the little like 420 blaze it thing and it says I survived and you're not really good look when you, people lost their job. Admittedly, but the people who were very uh, upset about this really rooted against the people getting fired. Going, yeah, you deserve it because of Frost. So I don't really trust that shit. But they got fired, and Frost saying I survived to try and do a fuck you to all these reactionaries made a really bad look because now it just says, hey, I'm kind of made a really bad joke after all these people lost their jobs and i'm guessing that is what did her in because the comcast basically bought her contract and she has been let go so she is done kevin Pereira, even the worst timing you could think of after that incident already put in his like hey i'm good i'm ready to leave I'm going to say my goodbyes. And they planned out this pickleball thing, probably because they knew this was going to be the final episode of attack of the show with Kevin and Kevin is gone. Uh, this is the second time Ken Pereira has left the tack of the show because he wanted to make sure that cast got the ropes. in. so now you know who Casim is and Gina Darling and Fiona Nova and Will Neff. And now it's like, Oh, it's a little show. I can't wait to watch. That's great. Once again, it's not the daily hour long show. This is like a weird podcast and also a weird three hour Twitch stream every week. So when you see Kevin gone and Frost gone, it's a bit sad because a lot of people just lost their jobs. A lot of people have been let go. And now a lot of people have been just mentally drained by all this. Like, is this G4 is gone? Just pull the fucking plug. Call it a day. Or are we rebuilding this? Or is this going to be an empty husk? Is this going to be like Ven? What's the status? And I wanted to figure this out myself. So that's why I wanted to do it right now in the public uh, segment. Frost got laid off because most likely an inappropriate tweet. Kevin was planned probably a year ago at this point. Just really bad timing. Uh, and uh, now, for me, the person who likes G4, Wants to see what happens, but is always a little upset because poor communication, poor messaging, poor a lot of things. Trying to figure out what's going on. And the podcast that they do every uh, week, like uh, there's one about House of Dragon, one about She-Hulk and called Fresh Ink. There is Full Screen Attack with Vanessa Guerrero. Those are all amazing shows. Vibe Check is still a very fun blast. I can't wait to see if that ends up being a podcast. Like a fucking podcast. Like it's on an RSS feed and you can listen to it on Spotify or something. And what is X-Play gonna be? And what's Attack of the Show gonna be? And all these unanswered questions. And I'm now thinking, who is left at the company as an on-screen talent? Adam and Gerard are the only two technically hosts of X-Play. Cause TBH and Frost are gone. When it comes to Attack of the Show, Kevin is gone. That's about it, because it's still Will and Casim and Gina and Fiona. But you had all these other people, like B-Dave is not really there anymore. And you have people like Code Miko that's kind of there. Ovely Mae is no longer there. Golden Boy is technically still a host, but I think he's a part-timer like Austin Creed, where he's going to be there from time to time, uh, unless he has obligations elsewhere. So you're you're stuck in this, like, well, what is the show going to be? And the producers are now going to have to do production and on-screen things. So you have Emily and Jake and Joe on screen, and Vanessa is doing double duties. And then you will probably have more writers and editors, like Case is now doing feedback. Uh, the, it, it's becoming more, I would hate to say, less and less involved with the host and more everybody's now on screen, which is how G4 used to be. That's why I'm not really waving the, the white flag on this one because original G4 and X-Play was so cheap that they had the producers be doubling as on-screen performers, including the famous Blair Butler for the fresh ink segments on attack of the show. Uh, so <clears throat> what was that? Um, we are seeing G4 basically try to find its footing again. They knew what didn't work and they're trying to find out what does work. Uh, it is very sad. A lot of people lost their jobs. It's still scary. I'm still worried. But I still appreciate the content that they're handing out for free. Uh, over on the free version, on the extended cut of this on Patreon, I think a, like last week or a week before, I actually went into details of how to save the company because i know everybody fucking does that they all have to have their way. Well, i know how to say g4 and i i did one of those too but i think like they're really the thing that you need to do is communication you need to beat the assholes at this because they're taking over the seo data and these people are basically calling this there's no gaming content it's all social justice shit when it's not true, they review video games, there's Scott the Waz, there's Smosh skits, there's Attack of the Show, there's news, and all its pop culture goodness. No, there's no gaming stuff, and it's all woke shit, and all that kind of like annoying uh, Tim Heidecker on cinema character things. It's really frustrating and bad. Uh, that It's one of those cases of. For G4 to succeed in the next year, they have to beat them at their own game, figure out where they belong in the grand scheme of internet content, what can be done on the budget that they have left, and what can they do in the future to preserve that branding? Because currently, they are throwing shit at a wall and hoping it sticks, and I think I hate to say meltdown mode because it's not a meltdown, it's not a sinking ship. I think it's really just the... Uh, Start anew from the bottom, like the B4, G4 era of G4, where it was literally like by people, and rebuild slowly. I think that's how it's going to be. But man, that's not... That is such a scary proposition. And the reason... The reason I wanted to talk about G4, and the reason I wanted to bring up is, yes, that's really sad news, but... It also deals into like the Twitch thing going on and YouTube and all of this AdSense revenue and Twitch splits 50-50. I'm going to probably be talking about this at the Paywall News segment as well, but I just want to get into the free version for you guys. It is really annoying to be a content creator these days because I think they don't know how to ask you to do the thing you want to do. And it's tough for anybody who is trying to get started in this field to become a content creator. Because if you're a Twitch streamer and you're just starting out, you're probably going to get zero to two, maybe four views. And all of that budget and all of those storages is going to be like costing Twitch some money. And they could either just shut you down and say, no, thank you. You can't get these features or you can see how youtube does it where everybody's putting up shit and sometimes it's not monetized and they put in like 18 different ads it becomes a headache some of them uh are content creators and they're trying to figure out how to min max the system <laughs> like it's some sort of like dota character uh and you just have to see like oh well now i need to make videos that are youtube they're about 30 minutes long because that's the perfect engagement time. And also I can do two breaks, which is maximization of AdSense and all of this weird kooky shit. But it's, um, imagine you do like the, if you're, if you're like an old content creator who's been doing this for like a decade at this point, you gotta think like, when did YouTube start? Like 2008? So like 15 years almost at this point, you're an old school content creator you you've done your vlogging or your let's play videos or game reviews or whatever the fuck, and you're trying to figure out how to make money on this. And it's like, well, there's Patreon, there's Substack, there's merch, there's uh, you could do um, OnlyFans, you could do um, you could do something, and you're trying to figure out what what to do. That so. For a content creator, the the money used to be there and now I don't think it really is because it's so spread out and it's not the fault of there's so many people and we're splitting it among like a million different ways versus a thousand. I think it's split a million different ways and YouTube's pocketing more and Twitch is pocketing more and they want to make sure that they get their cut more than you do because it's just not fair it becomes a bit of a headache and I think a lot of the content creators are slowly learning about this and for twitch streamers I think that could make that could set them off they would probably boycott see if youtube will give them better shakedown or try and figure out like how to uh probably do less work for the same amount of money for just for the sake of mental care at this point not just like monetary value but just for their own like living and how much physical mental toll content creation really takes as a podcaster who writes articles and like tries his hardest to just push a patreon page even this is like sometimes anxiety inducing because it's like Okay, right. I write, I speak, and that's it. We hope for the best. What if you do, like, multiple things? What if you're, like, Rooster Teeth? What if you are, like, um, like Red Letter Media and you do movie reviews? It's like, well, now you lost a bit of a cut because the YouTube money isn't coming in. Or what if you are one of these um, esports athletes that end up, like, retiring and going into streaming, and now you're, like... Roughly twenty thousand a month is now like about twelve thousand a month. Yes, it's still like eight thousand loss, but it's twelve thousand. It's still a little bit of money, and you're trying to figure out what well, is this like a recession ready to happen? Is this just the economy ready to tank? And they're trying to preserve this. What's going on here? And that to me is kind of where I think G four is at this point. I don't chalk it up to like a lot of that i don't chalk it up to oh it's Frost, and she said the main thing about gamers and it's poor communication about branding and letting people know it exists transparency in that and the problem is putting their chips into twitch and youtube videos when the adsense isn't enough to sustain itself (laughs) especially if you have like was it a hundred staffers like you need to make sure these videos are hype every time and you just started that's a little impossible um you didn't get out the gate like two hundred thousand three hundred thousand and the only ones pushing those numbers right now is Austin shows name your price and name your price is only one show a week and it's you know on his channel not g4's channel and what's the split like who knows um so it's a bit of a uh it's a bit weird, but I would not say it's G4's thing. I would say it's just in general all the content creators and and put then put fanbyte in this mix. Put like uh what was it? Game Informer in this mix. Almost every game journalism group has had a layoff or a shakeup of some kind. Maybe they don't like the company anymore in the direction that the company is. So You see people like Jeff Gersman leave their company and go independent. So he's starting out with his own podcast. You see people who used to be there and then split up like like Nextlander. There's a whole bunch of split up going on. And what I am noticing is this is going across the board. And this is just going to be continuing both with, like, companies and individuals on how to train this market. And here is Jordan's big hot take of the game. The game? Of the game? Like, I'm a fucking, like, this is the fucking play of the game, uh, Monday Night Football. Play, A uh, hot take of the day. <clears throat> Hi, I'm gonna pretend I'm, like, on LinkedIn. Hi, this is Jordan. Welcome to my TED Talk. Pretend... Twitch and YouTube are gonna be gone tomorrow. And I mean, like, tomorrow. Like, it is, what is it, September 26th? Pretend September 27th, September 28th. All of a sudden, YouTube just shut down. And Twitch shut down. Where are you gonna make your money? Pretend Bezos just went too much expensive and shut the doors of that place. Pretend YouTube did the same thing. How are you gonna sustain yourself? Pretend that these places go down immediately pretend kind of like how the gaming industry or movies work where suddenly you make a project and they just shut it down for the tax payments who owns what how do you make the money off it what's the cost to produce how much can you regroup all of those questions so if youtube were to shut down tomorrow which i know it doesn't seem like it but one day just imagine like alphabets like fuck we we accidentally uh the, the bandwidth crashed and burned our website and we can't bring back all the videos and all that's left is this one PewDiePie video where he's on a bridge and he says the N-word. Like, like there's... What if that happens? What if if the Twitch is gone? How are you going to live stream? Uh, if, if YouTube is gone, how are you going to put your content out there and make money? So, I... What I encourage all these content creators out there is figure out the way to preserve the content you have and hope for the best. If you're wondering, a lot of the YouTube videos I find disposable. If they're gone tomorrow, who cares? What I am willing to keep is these podcasts because the podcasts are audio files. The audio files are saved on a drive. They're saved on a OneDrive and they are saved on an external I, I save every episode of this podcast because there will be a time when maybe Squarespace, who hosts this, shuts down or maybe the RSS feed is hiccuped and I have to go to a whole different RSS feed to re-upload all these episodes that it becomes a headache for so many people. I'm not really saying, boy, this is going to be my money maker. This is going to be my last cash hurrah. I'm saying this is a... Um, Essentially, a content creator's nightmare is uh, trying to find the balance between creating content and sustaining yourself and dealing with a base that says, well, don't quit your day job and make this in your part time when the effort is now gone from making like four to six hours to making like a video to now like 14 to 16 hours to make a video. Uh, There's there's a lot of challenges going on here. And I, for one, think you need to strategize, save things to tape, save the content as much as possible, and work out the deals uh, in case a YouTube and Twitch are gone for what is perfect for you, your brand, or your show. Like if this podcast is gone on Squarespace, I still have the episodes. I could take it somewhere else. If you have your videos, you could put Vimeo or Daily Motion or whatever. Be okay with that. I think a lot of these weirdos who get suspended from YouTube because of their reactionary politics—they are very transphobic, very homophobic, very racist. Uh, they go on that weird, like the weird dark underbelly of of social media's because they're well aware that could happen to them. I think you should really focus on that for the creator side of things. What about you and your gaming? collection what about you and your uh your your movie review show what are you gonna do think about that so while we try and figure out like what's next for chief four uh i'm gonna keep listening to the arcade paradise soundtrack and i hope you guys have a great week Uh, my dishwasher is okay by it's reset and i'm gonna be enjoying a delicious jamba juice a proud sponsor of this... Po- no, it's not a sponsor, but man, if Jamba Juice could sponsor this show, that would be awesome. Jamba Juice runs... America Runs on Duncan, but Jordan runs on Jamba. Jamba Jordan. That's not my name. Jamba Jordan. Uh, so that's our show this week. Uh, go check out Xbox Game Pass. Deathloop just came out. Looks like a lot of fun. And the Last of Us trailer just came out. It looks great! And... For more information about all this shit, we'll see you later in the uh, pay podcast part. Fuck it, I don't know. Anyway, see you soon. This week's article I am calling, Yo! What's Up With Anime? One, because it's always fun to cover anime, and another, because I could butcher all the words on an audio podcast and upset more people. Netflix recently put out a cyberpunk anime, and, you know, Netflix raises their price to be $15 a month or so, but I just gotta see what the hell this new series is. Plus... Now I have a backlog of shows like Sandman and the new Great British Bake Off. Cyberpunk is such a weird universe, but Netflix has put out great animation in the past, such as Arcane, and really tough to sit through shows like Cuphead. So what's my consensus? Well, honestly, I will say it is probably one of the better shows to come out in quite a while. Cyberpunk Edgerunners tells the story of David, a high schooler, yeah, it's anime high schooler who is taking care of the mom, but because the legal terms of service do hickeys and copyright claims and other great tech prompts, loses it all and becomes a netrunner, who is essentially a bootlegger in the cyberpunk universe. This is essentially what Cyberpunk 2077 attempted to be with its story, but instead of the awkward NPC clipping through walls and cyber Cybertruck fascinations, it's actually more dour and more drab compared to other cyberpunk universes, including Blade Runner. But it honestly reminded me so much of series like FLCL in its fluid animation, and Gurren Lagann in its character design and soundtrack. And then you have these amazing visual effects that make it feel also very much like a westernized television series than an animated program. That It just has so much to talk about in such detail. Little time. With emotional beats around every corner, I honestly can say not since season one of Jujutsu Kaisen on HBO Max has an anime pulled me right in, quite like cyberpunk edge runners. In any other universe, that would have been a complimentary comic book that came with the pre-order of the very boring video game. But instead, you got a full-fleshed-out anime series that caught me by surprise. And without spoiling much of the story, Episode 6, Girl on Fire, is probably the best episode of the season and did make me pause and cry over the real problems going on in my life. When a cartoon can make a guy like me stop and think, it's done something right and it's worth applauding. To keep the Netflix viewing alive, I also watched just one episode of the Stone Ocean chapter of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. What I love about this show is it's not really afraid to make its frames into individual pieces of art and be very expressive in a way that isn't just the standard reactionary anime faces that we come to expect. Jolene continues to be a powerhouse character as she continues her jailbreak story, with the really, really buff Muscle Boys. I I haven't really gotten involved that much into this latest series, but as they say on the internet, I love its vibe. I'll probably get back to it after this podcast episode finishes, but who knows? And finally, on Netflix, I tried to watch the new Shaman King because, hey, look, it's a generic shonen anime, and let's see what the kids are into. And one thing is for certain, certainly not the 4Kids version I remember so much. This one still has that overexpression anime style, but in many ways it has become somewhat of a sleeper hit for Netflix. And I still have no idea why. Is it because Beyblade is hard to find? I can however see children getting really interested in this version of Shaman King over the earlier ones especially when it comes to its fight sequences. But then I realized, wait a minute, I actually have a Disney bundle which means I have Hulu, and Hulu has anime. So I wound up stuck over there, and I watched two animes. Spy Family, or, oh, sorry, uh, Jordan, please call it Spy and Family, not Spy X Family or Spy Family, the record, thank you. Spy, Spy and Family and Bleach. Spy and Family has its first season right up there on the Hulu, and I know this week is season two of the show, and I only watched one episode of this show this week, but I honestly think this show is pretty good. One of my favorite shows of recent era was Millionaire Detective Unlimited, but it was sadly a short-lived series that had its level of crime fiction and serialized drama, and for some reason, Spy and Family features some of those same beats that I loved about that show, but instead of Cops, it's Spies, obviously. When I saw the show's description, it felt like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but with a daughter. And while there is Spies and Counter-Spies in that family sitcom, it I did not expect to enjoy the daughter characters so much in this show. Usually the daughter characters in these animes is always this piece of shit character that ruins a perfectly good thing, but it's actually a great balance as you see from the mom's point of view, the dad's point of view, and then her point of view in different scenes while you're watching the show, it brought out laughter. Then it proceeded to do a cool action scene. And honestly, it, it, if it was done in any other medium, it would feel like a really crappy Disney Channel live action sitcom. But given some of the dramatic beats about assassination missions while still breaking up the random lines into a family sitcom, it struck a balance that somehow, some way, brought a huge smile to my face. And now I have to check to make sure the subscriptions for later and if it's on my list Uh, um okay so next was bleach uh the last time i watched bleach was on adult swim back in high school in 2008 and it turns out unsurprisingly the show is still around and still has seasons and arcs and while there was this really cool movie trailer i saw recently bleach thousand year blood war with this cool animation i wanted to peek on over and ask that really dumb question Do I have to watch the TV show to understand the standalone movie tie-in? And the answer, unsurprisingly, is no. The animation from the show is exactly how I remembered it from decades ago. However, because I foolishly watched episode 4,319 or whatever was the most recent and probably missed two decades worth of info, I was so out of the loop. And all I know was Ichigo is there and Rukia is there and they still have Shinigamis, but... I think much like watching Survivor Season 1 and then a recent Survivor, it's really tough to compare the two. Lots have changed, lots of updates, and it's really difficult to keep track. And finally, while it's not out yet, I did see a trailer for Chainsaw Man that all of these internet people have been going, oh shit, about. But I'm not getting Crunchyroll anytime soon, so I'm very Very passive with anime viewing, but seeing this trailer of a chainsaw-headed monster, I am laughing and enjoying what I saw, and do wonder if there is a place to see this, like a movie theater or an Amazon Prime thing. Anyway, as I try to sort out my Verizon plans, as apparently my new phone plan includes the Disney bundle for free, and that means free anime, I will stop recording this segment and figure that out. I hope you have a great week, and if you are a Patreon, stay tuned, because I think I talk about game shows for nearly 20 minutes. This concludes the free version of a podcast with Jordan Haas. Yep, that's that's how we're gonna close the show. <laughs> uh, but no really, if you head on over to patreon.com slash Jordan Haas, that's patreon.com slash Jordan Haas, you'll get extended cut of this episode and all the prior episodes before it this week we're talking about jackbox party pack six there is a review of hulu sitcom reboot and there is a really lengthy talk about premiere week in the exciting world of game shows all this and more next or the patreon.com slash john haas i guess that's that's a more accurate description of this shit